Hello there and welcome to the Get French Football News Preview Show with me, Lewis McParlin. Today's episode is going to be a brief return to normality with no European action on this week involving French teams. There was, however, a key clash in midweek between PSG and Lille at the Parc de Prince as both teams eyed up a place in the quarterfinals of the mammoth competition, the Coupe de France. More on that in a moment. We'll also preview two of the games coming up this weekend in Ligue with a clash that could prove magnanimous in the title race on the cards, plus a tasty matchup between Monaco and Saint-Étienne. And we'll also have a look towards the national team call-ups that were made recently, if we've got a bit of time for that as well. Alongside me for this podcast, I have the gruesome twosome of Eric Devin and Thomas Wiseman. But let's start with Paris, Paris Saint-Germain versus Lille in the Coupe de France. The round of 16, the competition has had a bit of a shake-up this year due to obvious circumstances. But we're here, we've got teams playing for a trophy as per usual. PSG played Lille in this one. Lille had quite a quick start to the match with Burak Yilmaz, the Turkish striker, having a chance early on in the match. The ball fed to him just inside the box, but 14 yards out. But the fantastic PSG keeper, Kaylor Navas, who's been in such good form this season and especially recently, came springing out to stop the Turkish in his tracks. Couldn't get the ball past him. And then a few minutes later, the ball goes up the other, the other end. A ball gets launched in to the box. There's a little bit of a mix-up between Mike Magnon, the captain, and Thiago Giallo. And Mario Accardi is there to prod the goal the ball into the empty goal, putting PSG 1-0 up after nine minutes. He actually had to go off with an injury uh, 38 minutes into the game. Kylian Mbappe, his replacement, and Kylian Mbappe came on just after that to score a penalty after there was a foul in the box. And this was, again, after a little bit of, of, of Lille dominance. Burak Gelmaz had a good strike that crashed off the crossbar, but these fine margins meant that it went in 2-0 at halftime to PSG. Second half, a little bit tougher for Lille. PSG start to control the match a bit more, but then Yusuf Yuzici is given the golden opportunity from 12 yards out with the penalty after winning it in the box. But Kaylor Navas, fantastic game, saves the penalty. Of course he does. And then just in the last minute of the game, the 93rd minute, Kylian Mbappe breaks in on goal, darting past the defenders and chips the ball offer Mike Magnon to make it 3-0. A, a massive scoreline in the Coupe de France. PSG will obviously be looking to win the competition. Maurizio Pochettino will be looking to get his hands on some silverware quite early on in his career in the country so far. He already, he's already won one competition quite early on in his uh, time in Paris, but he'll be looking to get another medal in the cabinet, of course. Eric Devin... 3-0, but Lille in the first half, they, they really could have uh, brought in a bit more level. It wasn't so one-sided in the first half. They did have their chances, but at Gilmaz especially. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. I think that, you know, Gilmaz, for someone who's only played before Wednesday, had only played 20 minutes uh, over the past couple of months, uh, you know, really looked to get about the pitch with quite a bit of energy. I think that, um, you know, Lille, you know, I, played with a surprising amount of drive and energy given the fact that um, the league is supposedly their their focus. I think that this was a, a really strong performance from them. And I think that um, the UMS in particular really showed a lot of grit and determination. Now, you know, it's clear from the lineup that Galtier put out that a victory here wasn't key. But I also think that, you know, in terms of 
the effect it could have on could have had on PSG mentally. That is having lost this match, uh, you know, after coming on the back of the Nantes defeat on Sunday, uh, you know, could have really been uh, something that would, that would put the Parisians under even more pressure than they already are. Um, you know, I, I think that PSG's domination in the league has been, you know, something which is which has certainly been impressive. But I also think that their uh, dominance in the cups has been even more so. And I think that, you know, whether or not. Uh, the club would see failure to win the Coupe de France this season as a, as a failure or not um, remains to be seen. I know the club have lost a couple tournaments in recent years, Strasbourg and Rennes having, having each, each won cups in recent years. But um, I do think that, you know, a loss here really, really could have been damaging to PSG's psyche ahead of the big match with Lyon on Sunday. Um, so it was no surprise to see a certain level of determination, even from what was admittedly a B-side from Lille, uh, making life difficult for for the Parisians. Mm. It is incredible. You, you mentioned that Nantes match. Obviously, PSG losing last week to Antoine Camboire's Nantes. 2-1 was the scoreline. And Nantes have been on a bit of an upturn since the new managers come in. But they've showed a lot this season that they're not an extremely terrific side. It is incredible that this PSG side can lose to Nantes. They've, they've lost other matches elsewhere this season, but then they can turn up against a Lille side that maybe wasn't at their strongest, but still are top of Ligue 1 and absolutely thrash them 3-0. I, I don't really know what that 100% shows. I, I know you said Lille did perform well, but it's, it's not their top priority, I guess, at the moment. But it's just, it's just incredible how they can come out of that really tough defeat and then just wipe this one 3-0. Yeah, uh, um I I think I think so. I think that shows, you know, this match was down to individual quality. And, you know, we had Navas coming up big, obviously, as you mentioned, uh, Mbappe. I think, you know, probably wanting to offer a bit of a repost to his critics, and I think the individual quality just showed here. You know, you had, I think, also, you know, there may have been a level of determination on the part of the players, um, you know, a wanting a willingness to want to show that. Um, the unfortunate events involving uh, the break-ins uh, with um, Marquinhos's and Maria's houses didn't weren't affecting them. I, th- I think there may have been a, have been a bit of a desire on the part of the, the team as a whole to show that you know we're not going to be affected by you know these unfortunate events. We're not going to let them distract us from our, our stated goals, and that is you know uh, what the club are still on on track to do, and that's win a treble. They're in the quarterfinals of two competitions. Um, and they they hold uh, they hold the keys. If they if they win all of the rest of their matches, uh, they will be uh, league champions. So I think that you know they still feel in control of that, and I think wanted to to double down on that. Even even as PSG themselves were, I think you know per- playing perhaps uh, a bit of a a bit of a B side. Um, you know, given the fact that uh, Neymar was was unavailable, Moise Kane is still coming back to full fitness. Um, so yeah, it was it was a, a pretty strong performance from them um, in terms of their own level of determination. I think that um, the, the the what seems to be a heavy scoreline was really uh, down to the quality of um, PSG's individuals, which is something that Leo, for all their success this season, really just don't have. 
Thomas Wiseman, Kylian Mbappe in this match obviously stole some of the headlines with the two goals, the, the, the one right late in the match, the 93rd minute was absolutely beautiful chip just over Mike Magnon. But Kaylor Navas, really big performance in this one, good saves and made a massive one from Burak Yilmaz early, early on in the match, as I said, and obviously saved the penalty from Yuzici. He's always been a fantastic goalkeeper throughout his entire career at Real Madrid and elsewhere. He's 34 years old now. But he's still showing that quality, still showing that that consistency to turn up and and not be complacent about games. You know, we've seen him several times in the Champions League this this campaign, this season for PSG with matches against Barcelona and, and other teams. And he's still performing at that top level. How, just how, how impressive has he been since he's come to Paris? Yeah, I think we've mentioned it plenty of times, but the the um, the story's basically the same. And... and uh, I think we've, most people have agreed now that he's probably the best keeper PSG have had in the in the Qatari era, um, and he just even though you know PSG do still have a strong defence and and a lot of the shots he does face can be from from long range, but but even with the the you know the big opportunities like we saw in this game um, with Lille, he, he still comes up goods and and saves saves the team, you know. From from disappointment, um, obviously he couldn't he couldn't really stop uh, the the Nantes goal, um, but he's he saved he's given them points. I think I remember the well from my own personal perspective the Angers game where he saved a point point blank uh, header, um, and PSG just about scraped that one nil. So that's three points for them, and and uh, yeah, he's he's become a very crucial player for them. Mm. And and this season, with the way that the Coupe de France is setting at the moment, you know, we do have a lot of lower league teams in the competition still at this moment with just the way that the competition has gone. You know, we had a lot of it ties with all league and teams going against each other. So they, a lot of them have been knocked out. And if you look at the, the way that the competition is at the moment, we've got eight ties. One of them was obviously played on Wednesday, but... In a, a best case scenario for people who don't want a, a league one team to win, you could only have I think it's three league one teams going into this next this next round of fixtures going into the quarterfinals, and then obviously the semis, and then the final. Could this year of any? Of course, we saw Les Herbiers a couple of years ago have a fantastic uh, place in the final of the Coupe de France, but mm-hmm. this year it could we could have another surprise visitor to the final couldn't we just with the way that the competition has gone this year yeah we could do and it's, it's really great to see i think there was i'm not sure if i got this right but there was there's one team left from league de which i think was toulouse and there's about five teams left from the fourth year, national national de um so there's plenty of chance that that um i think there's one or two are facing off against each other so it would be great to to have um, some of them teams go through, and we saw that. Who was it now? Chateau uh, Chateau They beat uh, Marseille. So there's always um, there's always a giant killer on the card somewhere. So it'll be great to see uh, like a lower lower division team go through again. And it would be fantastic, Eric. Obviously, you you wouldn't want to see your team Leon get put out, but let's say Red Star beat Leon, and then Chateaubriand beat Montpellier. They go out, and and Ardennes beat 
Angers, and it starts to build up, and you could have a lot of lower league teams going into the latter stages of this competition, which would be fantastic to see. Coupe de France has been built on that for years. It's kind of support of mm. the lower leagues. Uh, always keeps it exciting. Um, okay, let, let's keep on the PSG trail because there is a massive match this weekend in terms of of the title race obviously we're getting into the business part of the season now it's really starting to heat up and Leon are going to be the hosts for this one with PSG traveling to them so they'll be the host for this one and Eric Devin Leon don't have a fantastic record in this fixture however they won the last time that these teams faced off against each other do you think Leon could do the double this season? Are they showing the potential to have that quality to have Paris trip up again like they've done so many times in the league this season? You know, I, I, I'm, uh, I think I'm tempted to say yes. Um, but, oh gosh, I, you know, I... I don't know. I, I feel like <sighs> sorry, this is this is a You sound effects of telling us enough, Eric, basically. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think it's funny. I, I, I do think that some of the wind has gone out of Leon's sails of late. Mm. I think we have to acknowledge that that, you know, as much as I love the energy and, and motivation and and drive of the likes of Tiro Caraguere and uh, Carl Topo Akambi, uh, and even Memphis Depay to some extent, despite his brilliant assists for Caraguere last Friday, uh, I do think that you know with players like that, you're you are going to you know you you have to be uh, you have to take the good or the bad, and I, I do think that you know uh, as brilliant as they can look. On one evening, they could look just as ghastly on another. And I think that we've been seeing quite a bit of that. You know, um, I think Leon have played 90 minutes of good football over the last two matches, for example. The second half against Ross, uh, the second half against Ren. It, it, it was uh, a situation that, that um, you know, the team needs to be consistent across a match and throughout a match, I think, to beat PSG. Because, you know, even though this team are not, are not in first place, that danger that they have, the individual quality that they have, um, particularly among those attacking players, I just think really tells, and, and Kaylor Navas, they have players that can make a difference. And I think that if Leon aren't, aren't, don't offer a level of consistency and, and an improvement in their finishing, moreover, um, I do think that this could be, um, you know, perhaps uh, the, the day when Leon's, uh, you know, title aspirations are finally are finally put to bed. I mean, I can't see Lille losing to Nîmes if they were to lose to PSG and be six points back with eight matches to play. Oof, I, I, yeah, I think that's that's a really really tough task for Leon. Uh, you know, were they to were they to slip up against PSG, which I, you know, again I do think is 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 the likely outcome, just given the quality that uh, PSG have on show. Like I said, like we saw on Wednesday, they can or yesterday they can dominate a match they can win a match by a comfortable margin without really dominating and that's that's something that i think is is you know why you know you have the likes of christophe galtier and, and rudy garcia acknowledging that that you know psg despite their placement in the table really are uh, remain the team to beat in this title race uh, because of how quickly they can turn a match on its head 
something that said stuck out to me this season with Leon has been a little bit of a story that I. I think personally I would have liked to develop a little bit more, but it, but it's the story and its development of, of Ryan Cherky, who's a 17-year-old attacker at Lyon. And you'd think a 17-year-old, why are we talking about a 17-year-old who doesn't even play that much? Well, ladies and gentlemen, the hype train has been busy this season with Ryan Cherky. Uh, a lot of hype around him and, and, and what he could do in the game. For Leon, you know, there was speculation that was he going to leave, and then he, he seemed to get a bit more game time, seemed to commit himself to Leon full time. But it's not 100% turned out this year. Obviously, Leon have found themselves now in a bit of a title race, so they've got something to really play for. But Cherky was given the opportunity in the last game against Rams after a terrific performance against Sochaux uh, the week before in the Coupe de France, and he plays the first 45 minutes against Rams, and then he gets hooked off at half time. Um, Eric Devin, we were talking about this a little bit just before we started recording, but it's not really been the, the, the dream season for him when, when so much was said about him and, and how he was going to be integrated in with the first team, but he's been given a couple opportunities now, but he's still to really score or have much of an effect on any league game. Yeah, he's done it a couple of times in the Cup, but he's still to really do it in, in the biggest competition for Leon, has he? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think that I don't know. Leon's success this season, I think, has been a huge surprise. I, I because I don't think that if we if we go back to where this team were uh, when Rudy Garcia first took over, we could have really envisioned the way this team would take shape. That is uh, the arrivals of Cadawere, uh, the arrival of of Toko Ekambi, um, Renan Laid departing, you know, after returning from his injury, uh, Memphis Depay coming back so well and so quickly from his own injury. Um, the fact that Cataware would become an important part of the team, um, Maxwell Corne being converted to a left back, um, Lucas Paqueta being uh, the force that he has he has been, uh, really this team looks nothing like what we envisioned it. And I think that you know Leon's success has been you know uh, has been a really important thing, and I, I think it's shown um, you know the, the man motivation, if not the tactical acumen of Rudy Garcia, and I think that's been really key. But I do think it's come a little bit at the, at the, at the cost of that. I, I really do think the emergence of, of Cataway and the, the quick return of Depay, um, coupled with the end of the season, uh, premature end of the season last year, have come at the cost of the development of the likes of, of Cherky in particular, but also Maxence Cacare, um and Melvin Bard as well at left back. I think those three players all have quite a bit of promise, of, promise to them. Um, and that the lack of European football uh, this season, the lack of a Coupe de la Ligue, um, you know, the lack of these quote-unquote secondary competitions, because Lyon would have been in the Europa League had they been able to improve their league finish last season, not the Champions League, um, really has been uh, a challenging situation for these young players that want to develop. And we've seen, you know, particularly uh, with Kakare, what a brilliant player he can be. But I think for Cherki, he's someone who really needs more consistency and more time to play. And he's been afforded that in the Coupe de France, yes, and he's been excellent. But I do think that um, you know the the higher level of play, the higher level of scouting that exists in the top flight of French professional football, is something that um, you know is going to expose his limitations. And I think for all of his ability on the ball and all of his creativity, I, I still think that you know he is a player whose um, whose skill set I'm I'm not quite sure how how well and how clearly that fits into the situation that um that garcia wants to play and i i do think that 
you know, his being asked to just, you know, roll the dice and take a chance and be a creative force uh, within this squad has been a bit problematic. And I, I do think that that um, his being asked to play out of position, I, I think, shows his, his technical limitations. Um, you know, am I saying he can't ever be a good player? No, but is he going to continue to take people by surprise the way he did in that match against Nantes some 15 months ago? No. You know, I think the book has been written on him to some extent. And the fact that he's not going to be allowed to play, I think probably the second striker is a number 10, which, which I think is what would be the best situation for him. Um, I think that, that that does expose his limitations a little bit. And, you know, perhaps makes him out to be a poorer player than he actually is on the strength of, of what he's evinced so far this season. Um, it's frustrating, you know, I, I, you know, maybe, maybe he should have gone on loan, you know, I, I think to be, to be given more of a chance. And we've seen how, how well, for example, Jean Lucas has done, uh, going on loan to Brest this season. If he were to be go on loan to either second division side or side lower down the table, I think that being given a, a extended run in the team, uh, and to not have the pressure of, of the title chase on him, because I, I do, I definitely do think that some players in the team are feeling that more than others, um, I do think that would aid his development a bit more rather than sort of the spotty uh, opportunities he's been given uh, within the confines of, of the current campaign. Okay, let, let's look at the team that Leon are playing in this one. Obviously, PSG, they will have the title firmly in their sights this season. But Thomas Wiseman, slip-ups have been a plenty for Paris this campaign can they really afford another one I, I don't think they could really afford no, the slip up against Nantes but if they do slip up again and Lille or, or, or Leon really pounce on that it could start to get away from them and then you know if, if they slip up here and they have a trip up in the cup to, in the Coupe de France and then Europe doesn't go their way it could turn into quite a messy season under Pochettino yeah I mean they've lost I think it's seven games now let me just double check I think we said they've lost seven games. Six. Yes, no, yeah, seven now. Um, which I don't think they've done for oh god, I don't even know, but a very long time. Um, and I guess it, it it does depend on on how Lil perform because Lil are more prone to to not being able to break teams down or or not getting uh, lucky enough with with some of their play in the last few minutes of a game, which what seems like they've been um, crutching on, especially recently. Um, but, yeah, I mean, PSG can't really keep making mistakes because they had the chance to go top of the table last weekend and, and they didn't take it. Um, and you just think if they keep missing out on those opportunities, it's, uh, at some point it's going to be, you know, it's going to be May and uh, mm. it might be all over for them. Mm. Do you think they could have another bit of a, a fatigue issue here? Or mm. you know, this this game in midweek against Lille, a lot of their top players played at least an hour or close to an hour. Mbappe got almost an hour, but Navas, Paredes, Marquinhos, Gaidi, Maria, Rafinha, Ken as well. A lot of them played a lot of minutes mm. in midweek. And when I've I've been going through their season recently, and I've noticed that a lot of those a lot of those losses have actually come after they've had midweek games. The, the loss to yeah. Nantes came after the Barcelona game. The loss to Monaco came after the Barcelona game as well. That The first leg of that, and they also had a loss early in the season. Uh, the one against Lyon actually came after the, the Istanbul-Basishahir game. So they do struggle with having several matches 
in in the, in the space of a week and they do have a lot of fatigue issues generally and players are still not back players that have been out all season so with that could that really hamstring PSG going into this Leon game they've shown that they really don't cope that well when they've got a busy schedule yeah it really could to be honest yeah like you said you've named quite a few games there and there's been even the games that they haven't lost they've not performed very well with a with only a few days rest so it's it's definitely something that that maybe um might swing it um a little bit more leon's way um but i'm, I'm still not sure because of how their recent form okay thomas score prediction for this one then leon against psg leon the hosts currently sitting in third paris saint-germain on in second both on 60 points looking to chase after Lille who's set atop the table. How do you see this one going, Thomas? Uh, man. Um, I'm going to say, and be optimistic and say, Leon might nick this one, and we'll all come back next week and say, oh, they're maybe back in the chance, and then they'll lose again next weekend. <laughs> Eric, do you, do you share those sentiments? I'm going to go for, for one-all. Um, I think that with Ken still coming back from fitness, uh, back to fitness after COVID, with a Cardi a doubt, um, with Neymar uh, more than a doubt, um, he's expected to be in the squad but not start. I think that uh, you know, PSG's attacking attack is just a little bit lacking, and that will allow Leon to to have their chances. And Leon have been relatively solid defensively this season. So uh, you know, as long as Kaylor Navas doesn't play another blinder, I think that there is a chance that Leon can find the back of uh, the visitor's net. Okay, so 1-1, one, one, Eric. Thomas, did you, what was your score prediction? I know you were I know you were optimistic about Leon. I said 1-0, but um, maybe 2-1. One one. Right. I think uh, I'm going to be pessimistic. I'm going to say PSG 1-0 win. I, I feel like it'll be a very tight game, but I don't know. I feel like someone's going to pop up at the back post in the 90th minute and, and something really stick that uh, stick it through Leon's heart. I, th- I think it could be quite a rough one. Um, so I'm going to go 1-0 to PSG. Let's move on to our next preview of this episode, and that's San Etienne up against Monaco. San Etienne sitting in 16th at the moment with the Monegasque, much higher up on the table in 4th. And, and San Etienne in their last match, they, they entered it on a, on a streak of three games without a win, two losses to Lons and Lorient and a draw with Rams. But they turned up at Angers and got an easy 1-0 win, Thomas Wiseman. How, how, did, they, how did they operate in that one? Um, <laughs> it was uh, not a nice game to watch, even if San Etienne, I don't think any San Etienne supporters would have liked it. Um, they didn't do badly, I guess. Uh, it was more of a very poor Angers performance. Didn't look like they even wanted to play, to be honest. I mean, when you when Wabi Kazri has the ball outside the box and you just decide, oh, it's okay, we'll just let him shoot. Um, and, <laughs> so, and then the keeper stood on his six-yard line for some reason. Um, that's uh, kind of an issue. But they did, they did do a bit more solid than I've seen them um, previously. Um, but not enough to give me any any real hope or sort of it doesn't make it any more difficult decision to see how this game is going to go against um, against Monaco. But speaking of San Etienne, actually, um, <laughs> just thought everybody should know that a um, a former San Etienne player 
in um, has uh, is part of the team that have ju- the Danimo Zagreb team that have just knocked Tottenham out of the uh, the Europa League. Thought I was just know that. Oh wow, who who's that? Uh, it's Tailfield Te- Catarin. He's, he was he's only thirty one apparently. Going to this, he used to play for Sunetin a few seasons ago. Kevin. Mm-hmm. Kevin Tailfield Catherine knocking out Tottenham. Wow. Break, breaking news on the preview show. <laughs> um, Thomas, I, I know you really want to get... I know what you're doing here. I know it's deflection tactics to get it off of the on defeat. <laughs> do, you know, do you know when the last time Wabi Kasri scored oh, a what? domestic goal from open play? No. Can you guess when that was? Try was try good? January. January 2020. But he turned up against Onji. He's got the low socks. He's got his boots on. And he's like, ah, don't worry, boys. I'll, I'll, get, I'll get us through this. Just uh, you gotta be ashamed of yourself, surely. Uh, Eric, let's carry on. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was in between falling, uh, falling over about three or four times. <laughs> the pitch was not uh, not the best there. Uh, yeah. Um, another player that was in that was in this match and has been playing a lot of games actually for San Etienne this season has been Adil Aushi. She came from PSG. You know, he was getting a little bit of game time at Paris Saint-Germain, his boyhood club, but he left to try and get a bit more game time, a bit more experience elsewhere. I believe he's still only 18. Obviously, he's very young. Um, and he's he's, he's he's played some games here and there. He's, he's played quite a lot in the league this season for San Etienne, and he's had four assists, I believe, in 17 starts. Eric, is, is that is that enough for you? You know, someone who's left PSG, left his boyhood club to go and get game time. Has he shown enough for you, for someone who tore up his contract at Paris to go and play elsewhere? Yeah, you know, I, I, I like Ashish a lot. I, I think I've been, been impressed with him every time I see him. I do think he's definitely suffered a lot from uh, Puel's chopping and changing tactically. I mean, this team has probably played, oh, I mean, they played a diamond with two strikers. They played three at the back. They played 3-5-2, And now Sheesh has been used as a playmaker, as a winger, as a second striker, um, as a wing back. You know, obviously injuries and COVID have, have driven this. Um, as has, you know, the, the team's drive to get rid of, of, of salaries, you know, the, the freezing out at various points of the likes of Budabuz and Kasri, um, you know, long-term injuries to, to other players as well. Um, so I, I think that that being, that being the case, yeah, I do think Ashish has had a, a decent, I mean, this is really, this is his first season in professional football. And I think that he's looked bright. He's looked lively. He's looked energetic. Um, you know, say what we will about Claude Puel. I know he's had his highs and his lows. He definitely has shown himself, uh, by and large, over the course of his career, to be an astute uh, judge of young talent and, and adept at bringing that young talent around along. I think you know we can also look at the case of a player like Luca Gornaduath, who's who's absent for this match, unfortunately. Um, but you know, also also Wesley Fofana, right? Uh, you know, a player who's doing very well. Leicester has you know really came on leaps and bounds under Puel last season. Um, Puel's analysis for developing young talent is is clearly on display here with this young youngish Sante team, um, and you know it's unfortunate the club's means have been um, are what they are. I, th- I think that um, you know they could be a little bit higher up the table. You know where where he to be given a little bit more more resources in terms of um, balancing this side out, vis-a-vis having some you know more experienced presence in the squad to 
to create a balance there. But I feel like it's it's kind of you know a, a bit of a strange mix of of has beens, uh, never wers, and very young players. Um, but I, I I do think that um, by and large, Sente have been decent this season, and I have you know recorded some pretty decent slash surprising results. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think that Ashish is an intriguing prospect and. If this team can play in a little bit more settled manner next season, I think we'll really start to see the best of them. Thomas, just someone I want to quickly highlight before we move on and look at Monaco and how they look ahead of this game. Someone who has impressed me whenever I've seen him play for Sanetien and someone who I saw that even at the age of 22 was handed the captain's armband in the absence of Debussy against in that game against Andre's been Maddy Kamara. Mm-hmm. center meds and you know he's he's been there he's, he's been at San Etienne for a couple of years obviously in the first team now since coming through the academy there and he's seen the highs and he's seen a lot of the lows but he's always been a player who I think is very consistent and a guy I enjoy watching and I think he is the the definition of get stuck in as a player <laughs> boy just every every tackle every 50 50 every foul he's right in there, honestly, if you, if you want to watch one 90-minute segment to sum up his quality, I think it was the the Trophy de Champion or, 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 or the, the, one of the, the cup finals against PSG that was played at like a weird time. Um, the, the Coupe de France final, actually, that's what it was. The one where there was the big Rami and everyone getting sent off and all that jazz. Um, yeah, I think he always had a big fight with Mitchell Backer, who's about half a foot taller than him. But my God, he did not shy away from it he's just a player that really impresses me i don't know if he's ever been someone who's caught you right thomas yeah he's probably he's probably been their best player this season um i can't really think of any any better players from sanity and he's i mean it's it's strange to think he's only 22 because it feels like he's been around for much longer than that but this is his only really is well probably proper second season i think um but like you said yeah really really competitive um, and really helps helps break down uh, attacks in that midfield. But also, he's quite he, he can move the ball ball quite well. Still, maybe a little bit limited at the moment. But um, in terms of how he fits into that Sanetian team and and how they're doing at the moment, he's um, he's certainly a, a bright spark. Okay, let's uh, turn our gaze now onto Monaco in this game. They're fourth currently in the table. Just. Just, I'd say, a, a bit off of the title race to really be considered for it this year. But they have had a fantastic season under Niko Kovac. And, and something that has really been a, a cornerstone of their success over the last few years. And it was largely a point why they had such a, a dark uh, couple of years last few seasons. You know, with obviously Thierry Henry coming in and, and a, a, a bit of a carousel of managers and and just a tough couple of years for them was their transfers didn't really hit as well as they have at other times. You know, if you look at the fantastic team that the the won league in in 2016-17, I think it was, that's a fantastic team. Searched across France, guys given chances, Fabinho and Silva, other players, really just a good squad. And I feel they lost a little bit of identity for a few years. For a few years. But looking through their transfers in the summer, 
it's it's definitely had a bit of an upturn in quality and an upturn in output. You know, you look at Desassi, who was signed from Rams. He's played 21 times, 18 starts in Ligue 1, brought in the summer, has been fantastic at times, imperious at others. Uh, Aurelien Chalmeni was brought in from Bordeaux. He's started 28 of 29 matches. Yusuf Fofana has started 26 games since signing from Strasbourg, I believe it was. Thomas, this was just something that didn't really hit home when they had some of their tough patches, but their transfers this season uh, have, have really been a bit more impressive. Something should also be said, I guess, for Kevin Volland playing up front, who has scored some very key goals at times. They've, they've, they've really benefited from a keen eye in the transfer market, haven't they, this season? Yeah, especially when you look of of sort of previous years, um, some of the transfers that Monaco have done have been... <laughs> have been um, interesting um i remember the other day i saw something where <laughs> stefan el shirari got signed for them a few years back i completely forgot that even happened um so it, yeah very very uh off transfers but definitely the recruitment um since paul mitchell's arrived has been it's been some of the best i've seen in the league you know you mentioned de Sassi, a really um, strong young league on player at, at Ralston, and um, I'm excited to see what Diata can do. He's, he's not played that much um, so far uh, coming to the squad, but he's certainly a very exciting player coming from from Belgium, and, and obviously, um, like you mentioned, Voland, who's been who's been brilliant. Um, they did sign him from a football club, not a building company, because he does look like he's a construction worker. <laughs> But um, he's been really impressive with his um, link-up play with Ben Yedder and how hard he works for that team. Mm. Eric Devin, I think that the signing of, of Paul Mitchell as the director of football, he was he was brought in in the, in the summer since uh, working at Tottenham, I believe, was his, was his last job, where he worked a lot with uh, Mauricio Pochettino, the team that obviously got to the Champions League final a few years ago. And I think we, we often point out what's not done well in football. We, we often point out managers that don't maybe match the squads they've got and, and sporting directors that are bringing in the wrong players for the guy who's currently the head coach. But Paul Mitchell being brought in with a, a key ethos of signing mostly players who are under the age of 24, obviously Kevin Ball and Vito Manoni, they're slightly different, but generally signing players of a good young age, that's just something that screams Monaco all over. So, and, and it's been uh, an appointment that really just matches up well, hasn't it? They've been a club that have done the right thing, bringing in Paul Mitchell. It's something that really matches up with their ethos, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I I, I think that um, it's also, I think, not being afraid to, not being afraid to bring in play, players who are perhaps a little bit unheralded. Um, I, I think, you know, the likes of Caio Henrique, um, particularly springs to mind, maybe Ruben Aguilar. I think keen observers of, of Liga would know how, how strong Aguilar is, but uh, you know the fact that he's keeping Gibraltar City Bay, who has you know, France caps, is a World Cup winner, uh, out of the starting lineup on a regular basis, uh, is is really impressive. Um, I, I think I think that also the club's you know ability to place faith in Nico Kovac as a, as a coach uh, to allow him um, the elbow room, as it were, to to build and construct this squad, uh, both in terms of tactically and in their approach to play overall, in a way that makes sense for him. Uh, has been really impressive, and and Kovac has definitely re- repaid that show of faith. Um, they've been an exciting attacking team throughout the year, but now they're starting to just tighten up defensively. Four clean sheets in their last five in all competitions. 
um, I think they really look a threat. Um, you know, there's certainly some some questions I think to be answered about this team in terms of, you know, Ben Yetter doesn't seem to be t- entirely happy having been taken off every time I, I watch Monaco, which is probably watch eighty percent of their matches. Um, and I do think that um, Golovin needs to be a more complete player and and have a bit more focus. Um, but I think, and I, I also question, you know, I, I think an upgrade on a keeper would be is is important for the long run. I like Benjamin Lecomte, but um, yeah. I don't think he's Champions League quality. I don't mm-hmm. think he's title winning quality. Um, you know, well, I guess you know we probably could have said the same thing about Daniel Subasic prior to that World Cup run, and he won them a title. So it really depends. Um, but I, I, I do think that um, I do think that there are still some upgrades needed. Yeah. Um, but I think that the the natural progression that we'll get continue to get from the improvement of Chalmany, the improvement of Fofana, the improvement of Sofia and Diop, who's you know, come from kind of nowhere to be. You know, really, I think, you know, the very embodiment of what Kovacs' Monaco is about, hard work, pressing, uh, opportunistic scoring, selflessness, um, that, that to me really is the perfect example of what this club are about. Uh, don't job to play, that is. And I, I think, you know, the success that Kovacs has had this season, I think, you know, Monaco being, you know, still in with a shout for the title. I mean, you know, if they win on, if they win tomorrow, they're, which I think they will. We'll get to predictions in a moment. Um, they're within a point of of those those two sides. Um, you know, uh, I think there's still another step up to be taken. Kovac has said, you know, we're not on the same level as the top three. And their matches against those clubs, you know, say PSG, have have shown that to be the case. They struggled against Leo. They struggled against Leon. Um, I, I think they lost or drew to Marseille as well. And Marseille were in good form earlier in the season. So there's still work to be done there, but you know, my gosh, the signs are encouraging. And I think that, you know, as high octane, as thrilling as the team was uh, four years ago under Jardim, I think that, you know, for the purest in in us in terms of how a a football club can be well built, I really think that this this Mm -hmm. team is head and shoulders above, uh, and take it from a holistic standpoint, um, in terms of of what what they're doing um, compared to that team of four years ago. Again, as exciting as that team was. Um, I think this is a far more interesting project to watch grow um, because, you know, it is, it is being done, again, on a relative shoestring. And, you know, it's not as if there wasn't money spent uh, on, on some of the players who were so key to that, uh, that title winning side four years ago. I think what's also encouraging, I to add this on, is, is that this is already going to be a great season for them, uh, no matter what the outcome. What's very encouraging is how they will be next season because I think probably apart from PSG, with all the issues around uh, TV rights deals and and the pandemic, I would say Monaco are probably the least affected team in the in the league apart from PSG, just from a financial point of view. Um, so that and that being said, and also the 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 recruitment they're doing in the summer, I definitely think they've got, like I mentioned, some stuff to work on, but. Perhaps next year, I think they might be um, up there challenging. Mm. As well, if you look at some of the players that are 
so much gets said about players that get brought in, but the players that are out at the moment on loan, there's a lot of talent yeah, there got... that could come back and prove. You know, Strahenja Pavlovich, when he was brought in from Partizan, there was a lot of hype around him. He's been playing uh, for Kirkham Bruges. Eric, you'll probably be able to tell me a bit more about him generally, but he's been playing a lot of football this season. Um, Arthur Zagre, when he was bought from PSG, and again, a lot of hype. He's been playing at Dijon this season, played... Some football uh, over there, and other players as well. Guys, you sometimes forget about Keita Baldi is over in Italy. You've always got to look. Could he come back and maybe offer something? Gilles Diaz as well. I think I still think he was a bit of a mistake actually letting him go out on loan to Famille South. Still think he's got a lot to offer. But next season, who knows? Maybe you could come back and really offer something. Just Monaco really showing that 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 that, that strength and depth that was maybe lacking a couple of years ago, a couple of seasons ago. Um, okay, Thomas, score predictions for this one. Monaco travelling away to San Etienne. How do you see this one finishing Thomas Wiseman? I'm going to say 2-0 Monaco. 2-0 Monaco. Okay, Eric, how about you? Um, yeah, that sounds good. I, sorry to be unimaginative, but yeah, I, I think that sounds about right. Monaco have been you know, not quite the attacking force they have of late as, as they've improved defensively playing with this back three. Um, but I still think they have more than enough about them to um, to get past Sante. And Sante. <clears throat> yeah, I have been liking this Monaco team this season and I think I'm probably going to match. I'll, I'll go 1-0 purely because San Etienne had a little bit of an upturn in form in that game against Angers. I know it wasn't a fantastic game, but I, I'm still going to stick on an away win for this one, 1-0 one to Monaco as they drag themselves uh, up the table, you know, still still getting towards the end of the table, end of the season, they will want to nail down that fourth position, really make it their own. Okay, just a quick note before we finish, uh, Didier Deschamps recently announced his national team call-up for the next series of games for the French national team. They've got a couple World Cup qualifiers for the 2022 competition, up against Ukraine, Kazakhstan, and Bosnia and Herzegovina. Um, so obviously not the most esteemed opponents in this one, but it's still a fairly safe squad as far as I can tell. There's no new debutants coming into the team, but there is someone coming back into the team who we've not seen in quite a while. Eric Devin, Usman Dembele, first time back in the team since November 2018. Is, is that something that, that pleases you, Dembele, back in the squad? That pleases me. Um, well, did, did, we, did we watch him play against PSG? I, I don't know if Deschamps did. I I, I don't know. I, Deschamps, or Dembele was exciting to see come through at Rennes. I just, I don't see it. I don't see the prices, the price paid for him by Barcelona. Um, and I think that his reputation and playing for that club um, is is what's driving his, his placement in this team. I, I just, you know, I, I really can't see um what you know what what makes him you know what gives him a, this place i oh gosh i mean i i don't like to to be negative about a player but i think that we saw in the world cup um in that match against australia going back you know two and a half years ago now you know he's a pretty limited player i mean you know i, I know there there aren't a, you know, a whole bunch of options um Outside of him, I mean, maybe we could look at, at Nabil Fekir. You know, Jonathan Kone has been out of form and not starting regularly for Lille. Uh, but I mean, you know, I just, 
uh, yeah, I, I really, I really don't, don't see it. And maybe it's, you know, last chance saloon, um, when it, you know, for, for Deschamps and Dembele, it, it's a chance to say, Hey, as long as I'm the manager, you, can you prove yourself in this way? Um, but I mean, yeah, I, I, I guess the other side of that coin is that, you know, I, I don't know that there are necessarily a ton of other compelling options. Um, and that's that's kind of what makes this such a, a tough thing. I mean, you know, I don't think Lamar's had that great of a season either. I know he's been better than he has in the in a, in previous couple seasons, but yeah, I, I I don't. I mean, you know, Nabil Fekir maybe, but he's been hurt and and not had the best season himself. Um, you know, you might want to see Awar and Kamavinga in there, but I think that I, I get it. I get that uh, Deschamps wants to. Um, keep faith with um, the midfielders he has um, for at least for the euros and maybe uh, blood those two in uh, once that tournament's ended. So yeah, Alisson Playa, but he's been hurt too. I, yeah. I still think Jonathan Bamba has been knocking on the door for a couple of years now. And I like, I still think he should have had a call up in times when maybe there weren't obvious players ahead of him. Maybe he's not of the same level of other fantastic players that are in the French team at the moment. Kingsley Coman, uh, Marshall, Mbappé, Griezmann on his day. But I still think Bamba hasn't done much to not deserve an opportunity uh, in the last few years. Six goals, eight assists this season in the league. I think I think there's worse players you could go for than Jonathan Bamba, but I've, I've said a piece on that uh, a couple of times. Thomas Wiseman, people have started to draft up lists of players that weren't called up this year that maybe could have deserved a place. Um, Lacazette for Arsenal, Wesley Fana, who's playing well for Leicester since his move there. Jules Koundé, who I've heard a, a lot of hype for uh, since he's moved over to play for Sevilla in Spain. Some really impressive performances. And also someone that people were calling for is obviously Laporte. Julian Laporte at Lorient, I don't think he's had that good a season, has he, Thomas? I mean, they scored that worldy against uh, who was it? <laughs> Can't it was now. I still, I still always think. Imagine that goal that goes in. Oh, man, I want to stop watching football after that. I think that's just that's it. <laughs> it was good. I feel like it was against Neem. I know the way you're talking. Yeah, about. I think. Yeah, I think it was actually. Yeah. Um, Emerick Laporte, though, do you think he's been a big omission from the French team in recent years? Yeah, <laughs> I think. Um, Every time it comes around, this this comes around, we sort of have the same discussion about it. But yeah, he's a phenomenal, phenomenal central defender, and um, and just on individual quality alone, he he probably should be in the team. But it's obviously not not simple a, a story. Um, yeah, he's he's a guy. He's a guy though that at one point surely will really yeah, get that at some point. Obviously, yeah. But, with yeah. the World Cup and the Euros and everything coming up, you imagine he's got to be in the conversation, but he'll he'll be kicking himself saying, what more do I need to do? Like, I'm playing fantastic for City. Uh, uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll, need, we'll need to see for, for when that happens, when he gets his opportunity. Uh, but okay, I'm going to wrap up the podcast there. Thank you very much for listening. If you're looking for more information on all things French football and English, you can get us on the website at getfootballnewsfrance.com. You can also find us on Twitter at G. FFN. I've been Lewis McParlin. I've been joined by Thomas Wiseman and Eric Devin. Once again, thank you very much for listening to this podcast once again, and I hope you have a lovely week. I'll see you later. <laughs>